Welcome to the Animation Podcast, an official podcast of Filmbook. The Animation Podcast is a weekly animation news podcast that reports on the latest animation movie and TV show news. It's not very good. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's the. Uh, I know a lot of you guys tune in for the uh, reviews and the reviews alone, just from what it says on the thing. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, the movie. Not my favorite. Not my favorite one. Uh, <laughs> didn't want to. Didn't want to waste your time. We. I'll, I'll talk about it much more in depth later on. But just wanted to give you the heads up. Uh, when we're going into this thing, that's what's. <laughs> that's what's ahead. Just so you know. Um, hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Animation Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things animation, brought to you by Filmbook. My name is Ephraim Bernie. If you are tuning into the Animation Podcast for the first time, what I do on this podcast is discuss the current week's animation news. Now, you can find more of the Animation Podcast episodes on Filmbook, that's film-book.com, by using the search term, The Animation Podcast. If you are listening to this podcast on iTunes or another podcasting service, please rate and review this episode. If you are listening to this podcast on YouTube, please like our video, uh, subscribe, and consider becoming one of our patrons on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmbook. Your support helps us create even more engaging content. So... (laughs) So today is really going to be about the Oscars. Um, This week, the award season has been buzzing with the news from the Academy Awards. They gave us a list of 26 animated films that qualify for the nominate to be nominated for an Oscar next year. Today, on top of all the regular news, I will be covering each one of these films briefly and going over what I think its chances are at becoming one of the lucky five to go into the, to, you know, to try at the, the try at getting that little gold man. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be covering each film depending on what category of the news uh, it would fall in, so basically domestic animation with Marvel, DC, Disney, Netflix, HBO, all those folks, um, or anime, um, or um, foreign films. But uh, that's just uh, to briefly give you a list of what they are now, just so you have it going in. They are as follows. Um, The Addams Family 2, The Ape Star, Back to the Outback, Belle, Bob Spit, We Do Not Like People, The Boss Baby Family Business, Crypto Zoo, uh, Encanto, Flea, Fortune Favors Lady Nikiko, um, uh, Josie, The Tiger and the Fish, The Laws of the Universe, The Age of Elohim, Luca, the Mitchells versus the Machines, My Sunny Mod, um, Paw Patrol the Movie, Pompo the Cinephile, Poopel of Chimney Town, Raya and the Last Dragon, Ron's Gone Wrong, Sing 2, The Spine of Night, Spirit Untamed, The Summit of the Gods, Vivo, and Wish Dragon. That is, again, in alphabetical order. But let's move on to some other exciting news. I don't know if this actually technically counts as animation. Um, we're going to be covering all those in just a bit. Um, it, this, what we're, we got a trailer, uh, it's a live action cartoon hybrid, uh, but the, it is the trailer for the second Sonic movie, uh, which was, this was released this week, and I gotta tell you, I think that this one is where we're gonna get it right. Um, I know a lot of people really liked the first Sonic movie, I, don't get me wrong, I, I, I thought it was fine, I, I felt like the studios still kind of bound the movie's wings a bit, as they didn't really want to embrace the Sonicness of it all. Sonic doesn't really have too many of his powers for the majority of that film. Jim Carrey's Eggman is funny, but he's not really reminiscent of anything that we know as the character as. 
Um, and the new James Marsden character, I like James Marsden as much as the next guy. I think he's a great actor. Um, but he gets a lot of screen time, and he's not really part of the Sonic stuff at all. He's just a guy. Um, which is fine. Like, I think that's, you know, put Sonic in the real world and have a new character. That's fine. I get that. But it just... The movie seemed kind of embarrassed that to be a Sonic movie. Um... But in this new trailer, not only do we get the inevitable introduction of characters like Tails and Knuckles, but we actually are seeing more Sonic kind of iconography. A lot more of these classic worlds and locations from the games, their levels that we play them on. Um, we're seeing uh, we're seeing those as locations that Sonic is going to be going to. Uh, Tails has his little uh, little <laughs> uh, biplane. I think that's really fun that they're bringing that back. I mean, that's so associated with him. Of course, they were probably going to. Um, I think um, they have the Chaos Emeralds are are finally involved. Eggman and Sonic both feel like they've kind of come into their own. They're embracing who they are. Um, and then you have the storyline, like, Knuckles being tricked into fighting against Sonic. While that's something that we've seen many, many times before, it's such a staple of the franchise, I'm kind of excited to see it, to see that too. I mean, normally, normally I'm wary of any adaption that is relying too hard on, like, IP nostalgia, but coming off of the first movie that really didn't have any of this, I think it's a good sign. I think that this is, I think this means that we're going to get what we, a Sonic movie that seems like a Sonic movie. The movie comes out on April 8th, 2022. Um, so check it out when it does. I'll be covering it. I think I got my, I think that was one of the first things I reviewed to get this job. Who knows? Um, anyway, moving on to the big list of things. Now, this is the biggest uh, section for the Oscars nominees. I'm going to try and go through as many of them as I can while still getting to some of the news. But, I, you know, I might run out of time. And I think it's more important that we kind of highlight each one of these. Um, so anyway, um, I'm going to break this down by section. Disney has three movies that are up this year it is Encanto, Luca, and Raya um I think I mean pretty much everybody knows these movies so I don't need to go too hard on it but if you remember Encanto just came out this last month it's a story about the Madrigals they're a Colombian family that live in a magical kind of town or place it's called uh, Encanto that's the name of the little village that they have um, and each one of the me members of the family of the Madrigals has some magical powers except for Mirabelle, the main character, who in kind of, she becomes sort of the last hope when it comes to a new curse that, or like a new surprise, a twist that comes in with the magic of the town. I don't want to say too much more than that. That's what the people say when they describe, that's what Disney gave us when they describe it. Um, I think that we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that this is going to be nominated for an Academy Award. Um, it has been practically the only thing talked about right now. The Academy, the the Oscars have such a huge thing for Disney every year. They love Lin-Manuel. He's writing the music. He's also behind some of the story. I think it's safe to say that this is one of the five, in my opinion. The other one that's safe to say that's going to be one of the five, at least for me, maybe, I'll bite, maybe, maybe this will end up biting me, but it's Luca. Luca is Pixar's addition to this year. Pixar has had something every single year since I think it came out. Maybe I'm wrong. You can, don't hold me, don't pin that on me, but, um... I'm pretty sure practically every single time they do this, they do a movie, it gets nominated. Maybe not The Good Dinosaur. That might be one. I can't remember. Um, Luca was v very well received critically. It's about the two the two boys that have the ability to, when they, it's in Italy, and when they walk out of the water, 
Um, they become, like, human-appearing, but they're actually kind of merman, mermaid, mermaid creatures. And they, it's just them kind of wanting to be accepted in both worlds. Um, again, very strong contender. I think a third very strong contender could be Raya. I do think Raya, the last dragon, about the, about Raya, um, the girl who goes and has to collect all the pieces of this jewel that goes around and she has to, again, unite, unite these kingdoms and whatnot. You know what Raya's about. Um, I don't think it has as strong a chance as Encanto just because it is, Encanto's the newer thing. It's been about, I don't know when Raya came out, but it feels like it's been over six months since that one. Um, and I, not to say that that, like, dullens its chances, but I feel like Encanto has had much more buzz pushing it than Raya did. Maybe it's just because it's coming out on award season. I'm not sure. But Raya has just as good a chance as any of these other movies following. Then we have, uh, DreamWorks has two. We have Spirit Untamed. Again, if you remember DreamWorks' first edition, uh, with Spirit, it was about the horse, um, who kind of frees his brethren, and they escape the, the shackles of, um, of human ownership, and they, they become wild horses again. Uh, this one always feels, this untamed one felt really weird to me, because it wasn't about spirit, really, it was about this girl, um, and it was more about, like, him becoming her horse, which seemed like the opposite of the character before. It, honest to God, it seemed kind of like, they wanted to write another movie about this girl, and she is a horse, you know, she rides horses, and then they were like, it'll sell better if we put a recognizable character in it, because he doesn't act like Spirit in it. I don't think it has as high a chance as something else, like, even the Boss Baby The Family Business, which is not a good Boss Baby movie, <laughs> and I hate that I'm saying that. <laughs> I hate that that implies that the first one is good, but the first one's okay. The first one is really weird, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it doesn't have as good of a chance as uh, Boss Baby Family Business, and even Boss Baby Family Business doesn't have that good of a chance. Again, if you remember, they have since, in Boss Baby Family Business, they've grown up. The kids have grown up, um, weirdly enough, and then this new baby comes in and makes them babies, and then they kind of go back and try to take back, take control of the company again. Very strange uh, direction to go in. Maybe that's what the children's book did too. I can't remember. I don't think either of these has a great chance, um, if I'm being honest. But, um, you know, I, Boss Baby was nominated for an Oscar the first time around, so it could be. But I, I, wouldn't, put my, I wouldn't put my money on those. The ones from Netflix, Netflix is giving us five. Um, we're getting Wish Dragon, Vivo, Back to the Outback, Mitchells vs. the Machines, which was also a Sony picture, um, and su The Summit of the Gods. Um, Wish Dragon is literally, I mean, I don't want to say literally, but it is just Aladdin. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be mean. Um, I haven't seen it, so it could be, it could be, a, it looks like it's a swell time. Aladdin was a swell time, too. It feels very much in pace with that. Um... It's not so much about, like, you know, a pauper street rat character endearing to a princess, but it is a, they got a dragon who grants wishes from a little teapot, he's doing a Robin Williams impression, um, he can't make them fall in love, it's gonna be a lot of the same beats. Even the bad guy looks kinda like Jafar, or he's, like, acting like, I don't think Wish Dragon is something you need to pay attention to. Vivo, I think, is one that could surprise us. 
if you look at last year's nominees, now granted, we didn't have tons of animated movies coming out last year, um, but they tend to surprise us with a kind of one, a Netflix movie that could kind of come out of left field. I think Vivo, the little story about the Lin-Manuel Miranda monkey, or Red Panda, I guess is, is what he is, um, trying to deliver the message from one old sweetheart to another. Um, it's musical. The Academy loves that kind of thing. They love Lin-Manuel. Um, I think this one could be one that surprises us. It could be kind of like the Over the Moon from last year. It seems very in uh, in the same vein as that, and that was nominated. Back to the Outback is the uh, is the next one from Netflix. I haven't seen it yet. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, I don't imagine it's going to be the one that Netflix really pushes. Um, it's from out of town. It's from Aussies, um, which doesn't mean really much of anything. But it's these are stories. This is the one that I've talked about before. It's kind of like Madagascar meets the Wild, which was Madagascar. I don't. I it's. I think it's a perfectly cute kids movie, and I think it'll be really fun. Um, but I don't think it's going to be the one that Netflix pushes. Um, the one that, the other one that I think Netflix will push is Mitchell's versus the Machines. That one's already gotten some, uh, it was with the Hollywood Critics Association, gave it a, a nominee. Um, and that one was really good, too. So I think this, so this is my bet so far, is that you get three. There are three that I think you'll probably see. Encanto, Luca, and probably Mitchell's versus the Machines. Just because that one was really funny. It's already getting some awards and buzz whatnot. Or at least award nominations. Um, that would be the ones that I think. Um, last from Netflix is Summit of the Gods. Again, I loved Summit of the Gods. Do I think it's going to get the nomination? I wish it would, but I don't think it will. I think it will probably be beaten out by Flea. Um, the Academy Awards usually only gives one kind of, like, one kind of, like, foreign animated film space. They really like to focus on American-made stuff, um, which is, you know, oftentimes to the detriment of the whole. But maybe they'll make more, maybe they do more slots, in which case maybe some of the gods has a chance. If you don't want to know, know what it's about, it's about the two guys climbing up Mount Everest. I reviewed it last episode. Wonderful movie. Um, 20th Century Fox gave us Ron's Gone Wrong. Um, this one could also be a surprise one. I'm not going to lie. The only thing that makes me wonder is because it comes from a newer animation studio. Uh, 20th Century Fox has totally been around, but the people that made it, Locksmith Animation, this is their first ever, I think this is their first feature film. So it could be that... It could be, I mean, like, the, uh, it's it's not that sort of Aardman and uh, stop-motion animation is just styled to look like that, and uh, the Academy seems to like that kind of stuff. They, give Sean, they gave Sean the Sheep one last year, so it could be, it could be that it's nominated, but it's not the one that, because it's a sort of newer company, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put all my money on that one. Um, then Universal gave us Adam's Family 2. This is this this is the Adam's Family characters going on a road trip across the country. It was critically panned. Uh, I don't think anybody liked this movie. <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, uh, so I mean, maybe no, it's not. No, Adam's Family 2 is not going to be nominated. I'm afraid. Sorry, guys. Um, Paw Patrol the movie is also nominated. This was, uh, it'd be weird. I don't think, a uh, something as targeted for kids as this would garner the attentions of the Academy, but maybe I'm wrong. It made a boatload of cash and was pretty well received. I just don't think such a, 
such a baby movie. Not to put it down like that, because it's a good movie. It's just, it's targeted for young, young, young kids. Um, then Illumination gave us Sing 2. Um, I haven't seen, seen Sing 2 yet. Um, I don't... I liked Sing 1. I know a lot of people didn't. I know a lot of people don't like Illumination. Um... I, I know, but if Sing 1 didn't get nominated, I think it's safe to say that Sing 2 is probably not going to be. But I haven't seen it yet, so maybe it'll change my mind. Then there are two wild cards, uh, which is Spine of the Night and CryptoZoo. I spoke about CryptoZoo before. That's from Dash Shaw. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. It's a kind of kooky one. Um, and I think it looks really cool. I haven't seen either of these movies, so I can't really go to speak to their chances. But it would be surprising to me if either of them did. Um, they're very, they look like very cool movies, but I don't think the, um, the style and it being so kind of indie and odd is going to appeal to a lot of the, the voters for this. But maybe, maybe. I like, I like, it would make, it would make my heart sing if either of these got nominated. Especially, uh, Spine of the Night is a really, it's like a gory fantasy epic but it's all rotoscoped animation. How crazy is that? That's so cool. That's so, that is so, I, I don't think, I can't remember if there was a, a feature length rotoscope. Maybe I can't, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen that, but those are the movies from the, the major companies and just a quick little uh, news because I'm already going over, um, quick little news. I know Adult Swim doesn't really have its own section here, but Michael Cusack and Jet and Zach Hadel's Smiling Friends is premiering on January 9th. We got that news this week, January 9th, 2022, and I haven't been this excited or happy for two creators in a very, very long time. Please, if you haven't already watched Smiling Friends or either of these two guys' content on YouTube, you have such a gift ahead of you. It is such a great show. Um, moving on into anime news and trailers. Um, the, we have a lot of anime that was nominated, more than we've, or not nominated, but eligible, more than I think we've seen in a while. Um, and so it kind of makes me think that we're gonna get at least one anime movie nominated. Um, the, the options are Belle, Fortune Favors, Lady Nikuko, um, Josie the Tiger and the Fish, The Laws of the Universe, The Age of Elohim, Pompo the Cinephile, and Poopel of Chimney Town. Now, I'm going to go through them quickly. I haven't seen all of these movies. Belle is the only one of these that I really want to see that I haven't seen. Um, I can't speak to its chances because I haven't seen it, but it has all the things that I think uh, Academy people would like. Um, it's a musical it's about this girl who finds sort of a Second Life, like, online space. You remember Second Life. That's not an outdated reference, is it? Um, kind of like a virtual reality world where the in the world it, like, strengthens all of your, like, hidden talents. And so she becomes this, like, hit phenomenon singer on there. And she has to kind of balance her life on there with her kind of crumbling actual life in the real world. Um, and I think that's, a, I think that's a kind of, it's, uh, I think it's dramatic that there's music in it. It looks very cool. I think the, the animation of when they're in the virtual world looks pretty, uh, pretty exciting. So that, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to its, its chances. Um, Fortune Favors Lady Nikuko, I think is probably gonna be, if an, if an anime film is nominated, I think it will probably be this one. I watched it, I thought it was pretty damn good, um... I, I didn't like how the I didn't like the ending very much, but most of it I really really liked. 
Um, and it's about the it's about the girl who's kind of growing up in the port side, the seaside town, and her mom. She's really kind of introverted. The girl is really. They have similar names. The girl's name is Kiku. And the mom's name is Niku. The girl is skinny and introverted. The mom is outgoing and kind of chubby. Um, and yeah, like they, it was just a great coming of age story. I thought it was really good. I haven't seen Josie the Tiger and the Fish. This one also looks like it could maybe have some ch a chance at it. I don't know. Um, it feels very dramatic. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, it's about this guy who kind of becomes a caretaker for a girl that is, she's wheelchair bound. Um, I, I don't know what exactly her, her situation is, but she can't get out of the wheelchair. Um, and they fall in love. It feels kind of melodramatic, but I don't know. It also looks, it looks pretty good. Like it looks moving in a way that I think could also appeal to Oscar people. So maybe, maybe I would say... Maybe Josie or maybe Fortune Favors Lady Nikuko. Um, Laws of the Universe, Age of Elohim is this very strange, um, I haven't seen it, but it looks very strange. It's a kind of a, like, biblical, like, sci-fi, um, cosmic adventure, um, where these, like, angels of God are fighting against, uh, the devil, yeah, but it's all anime. It's, I mean, it's cool, but I don't think it's going to appeal to all of the, uh, American audiences. Uh, also, same thing with kind of Pompo the Cinephile. I mean, maybe I haven't seen that one either, so it could be really, really good. I don't know. Um, but it looks very heavy on, like, the kid, anime for kids thing, so I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my bet, bet on that. Last one is Poopel of Chimney Town. People seem to like this one a lot. I didn't. I didn't like this one very much at all. Um, I didn't like the animation very much. Um, I didn't like the story very much. But look, people seem to like it, so maybe I'm in the. I'm in, I might be wrong here, but I wouldn't put my money on that one either. It's about the little boy who finds a person made out of garbage, um, and they become friends. If visually, it's pretty cool, but even that I thought was kind of muddied. It wasn't my favorite one. Um, also, in just a little bit of anime news, the Studio Ghibli Museum is now accepting donations from overseas. Uh, if you don't know, if you don't know, the Ghibli Museum is about, it is what it sounds like. It's a tribute and spectacle dedicated to the imaginative universe from Hayao Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. Um, the, muse the museum, like many the last couple of years, has faced some very hard times with staying open during the global pandemic, and has had to shut down and reopen several times over. So if you're in a giving mood this season, you might consider heading over to the Ghibli Twitter account or website and following that over to where you might donate. The museum was hoping to raise 10 million yen, or about $90,000, and a goal, this goal was surpassed within 24 hours. So people are already doing it. Um, but the donation box is open. Uh, it's open through January 31st of next year, so... Give some thought. Give it some thought if you want to. Okay, moving into animation around the world. This is taking longer than I thought it would. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, and moving around to animation around the world, there are four uh, foreign animation films, um, one, of, one of which is Flea. Um, I guess some of the God could also be in this, but Flea from Denmark and a bunch of other places. Bob Spit, We Don't Like People. That's from Brazil. Um, My Sunny Maud is a Czech film, I think, but it takes place in Afghanistan. Um, and then The Ape Star, which is a Swedish film. I'll go through them very quickly. The Ape Star is based off of a children's book. It's about a little girl who gets adopted by a gorilla and just their life as they kind of have to face the adversity of the world. 
Again, very sweet story. I don't think it has a chance in this just because there is only one, there's usually only one enough space for one foreign animated film. I think all of these are going to get trounced on by Flea. Um, Flea is the is the one that I think is definitely going to get nominated. I've said this every week. I've talked about this. It's almost for certain going to be nominated. Um, as it should be. It's very very good. Um, the, but uh, just so you know, My Sunny Mod is about um, a Czech woman uh, while she's spending some time in Afghanistan. She falls in love with this guy, and um, she joins a very kind of progressive family that he's attached to. And it's just about how she kind of – the evolution of her and her relationship and how she um, tries to change things and makes things progressive in that culture while at the same time sticking to the culture itself and how to make things easier for women over there. It looks very – it looks great. I just haven't – I just don't think it will beat Flea, <laughs> unfortunately. And last one is Bob Spit. We don't like people. This one looks so damn cool. I really like this one. It's – um, it's about, like, a there's a guy, I don't know if you know him, but he's a, he's a Brazilian, um, cartoonist and artist, his name's Angeli, he's pretty legendary, you, you probably know this guy, um, but he has his whole world of imagination in cartoons, and one of the characters he has is a guy named Bob Spit, who's kind of like a punk rock gremlin goblin type guy, and Angeli wants to get rid of, wants to erase the character. He hates the character. And the movie is about Bob Spit kind of trying to, he goes on an odyssey through um, Angeli's brain and deals with all these different characters and, and worlds that the guy has created in an attempt to escape it so that he doesn't get erased by his creator. Very, very cool stuff. Again, I, I, don't, I, I mean, if, Flea, if there was one that Flea had to beat, it would probably be the Summit of the Gods, but then it could also probably be Bob Spit. I like this movie. I think, I, I just love it. You guys should all watch it. I just, again, I don't think it is going to beat Flea to this mo to this slot, this slot. If there were, if only there were more than five, you know, exactly. Um, also in animation around the world news, on YouTube, we got the holiday special episode for Super Sima, um, from uh, Kukua, the Nairobi-based animation studio with an all-female team, and the executive producer, Lupita Nyong'o. Um, and for those of you who don't know the show already, Super Sima is about an African girl who uses her superpowers that are derived from education and fields like technology and sciences to change the lives of her friends and family every day. In the holiday special that came out this week on December 10th, we saw we see Seema um, and her friends, her buddies, preparing for the Day of the Dreams, which is where everybody kind of gets a, a wish for something to come true. Um, and Seema is hoping to bring snow to her community of Dunia, which uh, hasn't seen snow in over in like several hundred years. Uh, the holiday special marks the beginning of season two of the show, which has gone into production and will likely premiere on YouTube on its YouTube channel, uh, sometimes early next year. All right, I want to keep moving because we're, we're moving along. Here we go. Um, home video and digital HD releases. This is going to be very quick. Um, this week, we did we got uh, two things for animation lovers. Um, we got Ron's Gone Wrong. Uh, came out on DVD, HD, video, Blu-ray, 4K. You can catch it all over the place. Um, from Locksmith and um, 20th Century Fox. Um, you can see those that that came out and you watch it for yourself. It's it could be nominated for an Oscar this year. Who knows? Um, and then season five of Rick and Morty came out for a uh, home video release and, and digital download and whatnot. Um, 
Again, I wasn't... I, I don't know if I was even reviewing this stuff when Rick and Morty came out. Um, I, I don't think I was. Because I watched all of Rick and Morty this season, and I was not crazy about it. I really liked the first episode. Maybe that seems to be, like, what the annoying, pretentious people think. But I liked the first episode, and there were a couple in there that I thought were pretty cool. But I was not crazy about Rick and Morty this year. Not not like it, it's going to change what you do. You should buy it anyway. Support these animators and these people. They're so cool. And they're, you know, Rick and Morty is one of the biggest shows in the world right now. So you don't need me to convince you to do it. Um, okay, moving on to the review. This week, I watched Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, it was directed by Swinton O. Scott III, um, and it was written by the creator himself, Jeff Kinney. Um, it stars Brady Noon as Greg, Ethan William Childress as Rowley, Chris Diamantopoulos as uh, Frank, Erica Sarah as um, Susan, and Hunter Dillon as Roderick. Um, I'm going to go into this. I just want you to know... Uh, this is going to be juxtaposed with the film, with the series that I watched this week that I'm going to recommend to you, Tear Along the Dotted Line. Um, if you've seen either of these already, you probably know the, justi the juxtaposition I'm going to make, but I'm going to save that until I get to reviewing that movie. So I'm going to do some talking points and talk about what I, what I, because I did not like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Flat out, wasn't crazy about it. I know I am not the target audience. I know I am not a kid. I was once a kid. I watch a lot of kids' animation for this show. I can tell when I think something is good. I don't think Diary of a Wimpy Kid is good, and this is why. Um, I think that the format of that this story was told in, which is a, a boy's diary, in which we all, all of these story beats, all of the story beats, and what makes them work is because it is told through the perspective of this kid, Greg Heffley. So yeah, if you don't know the story of Diary of a Wimpy Kid, if you have, if you've been living under a rock, <laughs> if you didn't have a childhood in the last 15 years, um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid is about this guy, this kid Greg. He goes through middle school, he's a loser, kind of, his family doesn't like him very much, um, he's, he has a kind of on-again, off-again friendship with this kid Rowley, it's mostly just talking about how he feels pretty, um powerless in at his age but he remains hopeful and sometimes he has a heart a lot of he's kind of become in recent times there's been a bit of a meme that um greg heffley is sort of a sociopath which granted yes like this kid acts kind of like a jerk a lot of the time um but i would argue the reason why we liked those books so much is because it's different when you are a jerk privately Right when you are writing, when you are looking into somebody's diary, you can see what you get an ex, you get a, a look into what other people are thinking and whatnot, and 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 you get a look into how this kid's perspective, how he sees the world. And I never assumed that Greg was acting like a jerk to these people in real life. You know, <laughs> he's relaying things. He's giving us his side of the story. He's giving it to us in private. He's like, yeah, that guy was, this guy bothers me so much, and here's why, and I know it's probably not valid, but this is why. I don't, you know, when you put that in a narrative setting, when you take it out of the diary, you just see this kid acting terribly to everybody around him. And that's why I feel like the live-action films, 
Um, certainly this film, the live action film is a little better, um, but certainly in this film, I don't think it works so well. Um, it has to be told through his perspective. Um, and they kind of do something with the constant narration, but the events and behaviors of the people around Greg are supposed to be totally true to life, and that makes these moments feel off. Um, narratively speaking, the pacing is also a problem. The movie feels simultaneously like there's too much time spent on scenes, and at the same time, not nearly enough story happening. The movie is just an hour, is just under an hour long, yet it totally drags. There is a scene with Greg and his family at the dinner table towards the very beginning, and that should feel really snappy and hectic, like we always imagined this family to be. It, they're constantly portrayed as talking, they don't listen to each other, they're all kind of crazy and rowdy, and they've got these 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 quirks and mannerisms that make them difficult, and I don't know, it's just none of that is seen at all. And then the pacing with these jokes, they feel so slow, it's as though these characters are having turn-based conversation, you know? They just take turns staring at each other. There are moments that are supposed to feel like punchlines, I think, that completely miss the mark and just sit in the air, and the conversation goes on way too long. Um, and then you justify that with hardly any other story with them later on. Um, the live-action ones don't make this mistake, but there is hardly any screen time with Greg's family in this movie, which seems like a bizarre choice. I get that you want to market it to kids, and the major character arc for Greg in the first book is his relationship with his friend Rowley. But, like, I think that Chris Diamantopoulos has maybe three or four lines in this movie. Why? And he is being marketed as one of the stars. Roderick is in one scene. Maybe I'm misremembering the first book, but, like, wow, these family members are hardly in this movie. Uh, so, which is also crazy to me, because they are part of the world that he builds. I don't know. That was, I was very frustrated with a lot of it. Um, as far as animation goes, because I'm ranting, um, I said when I reacted to the trailer, I wasn't crazy about the look of it. I think that it's admirable that they completely recreated the style and the character designs from the original novels, but these characters just don't look right in 3D. I think their eyes are still pretty ghoulishly empty, and I know this is nitpicky, because nobody ever cared about this when it was just in 2D, but there were never scenes where all these characters were in 2D, like in the books. We didn't care about it then, but the fact that there are only like three or four character designs for everyone outside of the main cast is incredibly distracting. Like, there are this... Okay, this is an example, right? There's a scene with these three teenage bully characters that sort of play an antagonist role throughout the film, and literally there's a moment where all of them are like in the camera, face up, close up to them, and they're looking at Greg. And all of them have the exact same face. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, they all have the exact same nose and overbite and, like, cheek shape. It was crazy. It, they just have different skin colors and hair pigments and haircuts. And it's not even acknowledged. Like, there's not even a joke trying to make, like, oh, look, they all look exactly the same and they're all bullies together. It's so strange. And it totally takes you out of watching it. It's also... I know this is another nitpick. I think it's creepy how small Greg's shoulders are. I never, it didn't bother me when he was in 2D. In 3D, I don't understand how he can keep the backpack on. I just, I don't get it. Um, also, aside from it being visually just discomforting, I feel like making these characters identical to the drawings in the book in 3D kind of takes away from the fun of 
the doodles in the book in the first place. I mean, this is supposed to be Greg's interpretation of the world. I don't really know how they would have gone about this different if not in live action, but it just feels wrong that these doodles look exactly like the people they are in real life. That's like if he was drawing picture-perfect recreations of characters in his thing. No, they're supposed to be little doodles. I don't know. It just seemed strange to me. It, it didn't work. And um, on top of all of it, it just it felt like kind of a soulish cash grab, and it makes me upset that they're already making another one. Um, but I don't know. I shouldn't be surprised, and maybe the second one will be more about the family and more grounded and what it was built. But they had time. It was 58 minutes. They could have built more in. People would have kept watching. Cut some of the long scenes down. I mean, it, it felt like a first draft. That's all I, I, I... Maybe I'm being hard on it. I would give this, though, I would give it a 1.5. <laughs> or maybe it... No, I, I have, like, right here I have written down 1.5 to 2. I don't want to give it a 2. I want to give it a 1.5. And that is because I saw how to make this work. Because later, later on, I watched Tear Along the Dotted Line, created and written and directed by Zero Calcari in his animation debut. It stars, there's two different casts. Um, there's an Italian cast, which is voiced by Zero Calcari, um, and then there's Valerio Mast, uh, Mast, Mast Andrea and Chiara Giancardo and pa uh, Paolo Vivio and Veronica Puccio. They play additional characters. Uh, the version I watched, it's on Netflix. It just came out this, this past couple of weeks. Um, the characters were voiced by uh, Adam Reese D, um, voices Zero. Then there's Wayne Forrester, voices um, His Conscience, the Armadillo. And then Becky Wright, Ben Elliott, and Robert Wilfert, do additional voices. That's I'm getting that out of the way because I want to gush about this movie for a bit. This feels like the perfect juxtaposition to Diary of a Wimpy Kid because in many ways they are the same kind of story. When I was watching Diary of a Wimpy Kid, I really did wonder how do you take something that is supposed to be from one perspective and bring it to life in front of us as a narrative. I really I didn't think there was an effective way of doing it. I, I, I really did not know how you would take something as personal as a, and, and biased as a diary and make it play it out in front of us. Um, when it's, when it, the thing that we like about it is the character's perspective, not the factual events. I was wrong. Tear along the dotted line is exactly how you do it. And anyone who's ever planning on adapting Diary of a Wimpy Kid again or something like that should pay very close attention to this show and honestly any show that Zero Calcari makes moving forward because he will be he is somebody that I am watching like a hawk now. He is so good. If this is I don't know if this is his first time. I know he's a, he's an Italian cartoonist and this is so good. It's hard to believe that this would be his first animated thing, but I think it is. I'm going to give you the story, but it's hard, it's, it's hard to put a finger on what is, this show is about. It's really just the rantings of an extremely neurotic and well-offed, walled-off cartoonist. Uh, his name's Zero. He's playing himself. The show is written about the guy. Um, and it's intercut with him and his friends going on a trip. But it is so much more than that. It feels like a scathing critique of modern culture, but at the same time comes from a deep, deep love 
of humanity and creativity, and there are cutaways that are chaotic and unbelievably charming and sometimes put Family Guy, the reinventor of the cutaway, to shame because practically all of them serve a narrative purpose, uh, purpose and focus. Um, we get stories about his him as a child and how he felt like he was special because he was smart then, but then it turned out that he was just confident and now he's not because he's not actually that smart. Then you have stories about him being a tutor, stories about this girl that he's in love with. There is such a brilliant narrative device. Um, I don't want to go too far into in into stuff like that because I it spoils it, but um, it, the, the less you know, the better the show is. I'll say that. So instead, I'm going to talk about how Zero and his creative team um, give us this story and that Diary of a Wimpy Kid should have. I'll say that, right? So for one, they use this unbelievably smart creative move by having one character zero voice every other character except his conscience which is represented by a giant patronizing armadillo <laughs> um but unlike something like anomalisa where they did the same idea kind of like that where every character has the same voice that serves to drive us away from society at large zero uh will put on accents and intonations to mimic his friends like your buddy might when he's telling you a story about his day. And this results in us exploring the realities of these outside people and situations within the context that all of this is from one perspective and is thus biased. This is exact, it's such a smart move. And that if, if Disney was a little more daring, I know this would have worked fantastic in a shorter movie like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I think kids would have loved watching it. Um, another thing that I think the show has a lot of fun with is its analogies and the world. Characters stay in model. They don't stretch and contort like I've talked about. Some people don't like that. I like that. Um, but here it works. Um, they can often appear in fun hypotheticals as monsters or superheroes or anything in between. Um, and here's a great example is like, um, like in BoJack, some of the characters are animals. But it feels different as these animals are off, they're like representations of how, of how Zero perceives these people in his life. Uh, so they're not actually animals. And I think that's so, I think that's so cool. Um, as far as animation goes, the character designs are fun and have this signature look that about them that often comes from cartoonists turned animators. They have sort of a rubber hose style thing going on, which isn't as pretty as something that you might see on Cartoon Network or Disney, but the designs feel intentional and faithful to the original comic, uh, comic strip that a lot of these are based off of. Um, uh, the important thing is that this series had to be animated, right? There was no way it would have ever worked as a live-action series. It takes full advantage of the medium, which is so rare in a series that isn't about, like, sci-fi or fantasy or something that couldn't exist in the real world. No, it's that this had to be told the way it did, because this character's brain is so scattered, and you put each other in so many different situations, it had to be like a cartoon, which I love. I love when a show really explores its medium like that. There's also just some genius moments of using visual storytelling that ties into themes of the story. Again, I don't want to spoil too much of it. Um, but uh, even the idea of tearing along the dotted lines to cut out a version of your life is explored in so many different ways, and there are so many subtle visual nods to themes like that. I want so badly to tell you, but don't want to take away from the joy that it is to experience them for the first time. 
Um, the episodes are short. I like that. Netflix let them do that. This is on Netflix, by the way, I should say. Um, the episodes are short. They're usually not longer than 22 minutes. Some of them are as few as 12 or 13, and there's only six of them. I watched the whole series in a day, not just because I couldn't stop watching them, but because they feel like they need to be binged, which is another rare feeling, I think, from a show. When was the last time that you really felt like you needed to watch the whole thing in one day? That's all I'm saying. So, I was so absolutely moved by the series. It encompasses everything that I love about animation. It's such a great storytelling. It's hilarious, but also so heartfelt and really makes you think. And in it's such a it's it encompasses again everything I love about animation and storytelling in general. And I think it will be my first ever five out of five on this podcast. I know I don't normally rate these things I recommend, but I just want you guys to know how much I encourage you to check this out on Netflix. I really, it's one of my favorite things I've seen all year. Oh, boy. Okay, um, 45 minutes in. Let me finish up now. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Animation Podcast. Be sure to like this episode and subscribe. You can find more of my work on Filmbook. That's film-book.com. Just search for Ephraim Bernie or the Animation Podcast. And you can also find me on Twitter at Frumblers or on Instagram at Ephraim underscore Burning. I know you haven't, though. I haven't gotten any new followers, so, you know, I have tears falling from my eyes. It's very upsetting. Uh, please don't, please don't follow me. Uh, I don't, I, I don't put anything on Twitter anyway. Um, if you would like to contact us, you can email us at the podcast at film-book.com with the animation podcast in the subject line. Now you can tune in next week for the latest episode of the animation podcast and all things animation. Thank you for listening and I will see you then. Thanks for listening to the animation podcast. Find more of the Animation Podcast on Filmbook, on your favorite podcast service, and on YouTube.